Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. This is the Abby Normal Podcast, here to tell you that you're weird and that's normal. I had lunch with a friend last week who asked me, why would you do four episodes about a wedding? Now, she's a caring and loyal friend who also gives critical feedback on your life every time you hang out, so it's all good. I'm used to this tone. And the first answer is that I love my friend who got married, but that's not complete. You don't hear every detail of the lives of all the people I love. You're welcome. So the deeper answer is that I feel like we can have a lot of weird feelings around engagement and weddings, and hearing some less traditional stories normalizes a few things. Like that it's okay to not have been married before 40 or whatever age deadline is in your brain. It's normal to want to be married and have your partner be not so sure, or vice versa. When you're planning a wedding, your feelings might not match what you think they should be. This list could go on and on, right? It's okay to not be married. So as I answered my lunch friend's question, it got me thinking about my disdain for the wedding industry in general. I got riled up remembering all the pressures. Vicky expressed some of those expectations in part two, the grow up of our most recent series about her wedding. When I got married, I definitely wanted to buck all the weird traditions and expectations. I didn't understand them. And I didn't understand why everything was so freaking expensive and also generic and boring. So today we're going to get some answers, not all of them. We're going to focus on wedding attire and personal presentation. It's only a little slice, but when you strip away all the dumb details, this is really what we care about most. How good do I look? Because everyone I know is going to be staring at me for a long time. My friend Crystal has been working in the wedding industry for many years as a makeup artist, lashist, and now as a bridal salon owner. She's got the inside scoop on where folks would like to see the industry go. Everybody should be who they are for their wedding. Your dress or pantsuit or tux or whatever it is you're having made for you or that you're purchasing, like it should be exactly what your personality is. She also provides some insights into selecting a makeup or lashing artist, stuff I had no idea about before this conversation. I do take my lashing chops very serious because yeah. you're dealing with somebody's eyeball. Right. You're dealing with incredibly sharp instruments on somebody's eye. You're dealing with a super glue. There's so many elements to something going wrong just within <laughs> those fading. We're going to start with how Crystal got into this and worked her way up in expertise and financial stability in the industry. It wasn't personal experience. For me, I've never been married. I mean, you know me. I've never been married. I've always had like boyfriends. And I like am like the SPCA for men. Like I bring them in and like groom them and get them ready and then they go to the forever home. Like that's my place in life, I feel like. It was the necessity of broadening your skill set because the wedding season can't sustain you when you first start out. Really in this industry, you have to have a few <laughs> a few pokers in the fire. So where you're getting hired for weddings during the wedding season, on your off time, you have to find things that are going to like sustain you financially for that. So that's where the lashing and then some of the fashion stuff, you know, came in. So it all started with Crystal's passion. 
I've always loved makeup. I mean, even in high school, I was always like doing nails and makeup and stuff. And so it always just kind of stayed with that. And then I got into it a little, a little bit more once Sloan was born, actually. I kind of dove into it full time just because I wanted a job that kept my schedule open so I could be kind of like a full time mom. And so I went back to school, got my statistician's license. Sloan is Crystal's son. Kind right. of rewind a little bit back in. 2008, a partner and I had a beautiful warehouse in downtown Portland that overlooked the waterfront. And I did dive into doing wedding coordinating during that time. I loved it. And I did my makeup and stuff there for that. So oh, okay, cool. Lived in, yeah, it was like 32,000 square feet. So it was a huge warehouse that was revamped into an urban art studio space that people loved because there was we had graffiti artists coming in and doing murals we had musicians we had a recording artist i had a my makeup space and then we had an in-house photographer and videographer in there too Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it was like we could include everything in a package for weddings right you know and the the people we dealt with who got married there were so fun because they were people who were like outside the box of like your normal everyday wedding it was right you know, it was urban funk. So it was like really cool people with really cool ideas. You know, I, I kind of thrived off of it not being so proper. I yeah, they were, they, yeah <laughs> they were already kind of outside of the box people looking for an yeah. event space that would be like non-traditional. Yeah. 100%. But we were dating. And so as dating happens, we broke up. That's kind of what drove me into getting into makeup full time. So her coordinator gig concluded, but she kept doing the makeup thing, keeping up with trends, and then had a new opportunity that paired two of her passions. Uh, My dear friend, Angela, had gone to cosmetology school and had moved her way up through the fashion industry and knew that I was licensed and reached back and just said, I'd like to have you come do some of these things with me and then brought me into the Portland fashion family. And then I went to school and became, you know, got my lashing certificate and then would travel up to Portland almost every month for two weeks out of the month for goodness, almost three years. And just deep dove into fashion. I absolutely loved it. And I loved the fact that Sloan could travel with me. He could go with me to photo shoot. I could kind of incorporate like my life into what my work was. Yeah, I just really kind of, I just, I loved it. I loved that work and I loved the people that I got to work with from the models to the photographers. They are so vibrant and beautiful. It's just, just such beautiful people. And the one thing I loved about them so much is they were so supportive and encouraging of what I was doing and they really appreciated what I did. So it was, it made the work that, you know, a little bit more exciting because they really believed in me. So we had to do photo shoots for bridal designers as well. So we were already doing bridal type makeup to build up that portfolio along with like our more artistic makeup that was being done for, you know, our fashion designers that were just designing like their suits and clothes and things of that nature. Right. For me, the fashion industry allowed me to hone in and focus more on my like makeup art. So it put me in a position to be able to kind of be able to do makeup in a way that that brides are, would want to hire me to do it because my portfolio and all the pictures and things that I had was impressive to a bride who was just hiring like 
a lot of brides were hiring girls like off Facebook, like hey, right. let me do your makeup for fifty dollars. Right, of right, right. She was gaining confidence and building her makeup portfolio in the fashion world, and then her mom shoved her right out of her comfort zone. For my first year of being in the makeup industry, for my birthday, she bought me a booth at a wedding show in Visalia. And oh my um, god, that yeah. is so sweet. It was so sweet, and I was so mad. <laughs> Why? Because because at the time i I didn't see what other people could see. So for me, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm at a wedding show. Like I have a booth. What am I going to do? How does this even work? Yeah, you know, it was so out of like my element. You know, sure. it was an uncomfortable space to be in. And my mom's like, "You're going to do fine. You have two weeks." I'm like, oh. <sighs> My, so I did. I got a model that I was working with, and so her and her cousin came, and they were my models. I did their makeup there and talked to people, and you know, had this booth. And it's so funny. I found the pictures the other day of my first booth. It was so generic. It was so cute, and so um, you know, and so I was like, I can do this. And so people liked my work, and then you know, and Angela kept me busy with things in Portland. And I thought, you know what, I can do this. So then I started charging a lot more for things and, and really like putting my nose to the grindstone and taking classes and just paying attention to what was going on in the wedding world and then dove into bridal makeup along with fashion makeup. And mm-hmm. they all kind of go hand in hand in some manner. She started getting more clients and really had to hone her business approach, balancing hard decisions about supporting herself and her son and creating a customer experience that she's proud of. So when I started doing makeup, I was the girl who was like drive cheap for $50 and then realized once daycare was taken care of and gas, I made no money. <laughs> I was like, right. this isn't going to work, you know, yeah. plus on top of everything else, you have to build your kit depending on the type of makeup you're using. So the kits are very expensive to put together as well. And I've always been the person who always thought like everybody, no matter what their budget is, like should look and feel great like you should always have like a full service experience even on a short budget and so I always tried to figure out how to make the two work and it was really difficult for a lot of time and so once I got into doing professional makeup as far as like fashion industry makeup you know I had like this beautiful family of like other makeup artists who had been doing this for a lot longer than I had and, you know, and they just told me, like, Crystal, you're not going to be able to, to sustain yourself with your prices. Like, you need to bring your prices up. You now have this portfolio. You're now a lot quicker where you can do, like, your makeup. And, and instead of using airbrush, like, you know how to use your, your brushes well enough that you can give an airbrush look within a 45-minute time frame. Like, you need to be charging for that because all of your money you're putting into your schooling and your traveling to do these things, it has to make sense somewhere or you're right. never going to, like, make money. She still struggles with this, and you'll hear more about that later. But she took their advice and raised her prices to match her level of experience and expertise. Now, I know next to nothing about makeup in general, but when I started to complain to Crystal about wedding makeup specifically, she dropped some serious knowledge on me. Really, when brides are looking for a makeup artist, they should be looking for the makeup artist who does have the experience with photo finish photography. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a good makeup artist and a good photographer, 
you're going to have phenomenal pictures. Right. They just go hand in hand. And so... Yeah, well, you know what? I kind of like to just pause you there for a second because I think that that's a thing that I had never thought about until right this moment because I feel like I've gotten my makeup done for weddings and it's been like way too much and I feel so yeah. awkward and I feel like a freak because it's not my normal makeup. But I right. think that that's a good point that like you're also doing your makeup for your photos and that requires a specific look yeah. to look hella good in your photos, you know, which is kind of no, like different than real life. It is. But also in saying that, like, I think as a makeup artist, too, is that if you've never worked with a good photographer in your career, if you've not had the opportunity to have a photographer like guide you mm-hmm. in your makeup career it's a huge disadvantage to you and to your, to people you're doing makeup for, because like I have one photographer, his name's Tom. He's out of Portland. He's, he's, I can't say enough kind things about Tom. Like Tom is everything to me in my career. I like get emotional thinking about him. Like he, he brought me from being a good makeup artist to being a phenomenal makeup Mm -hmm. artist. He taught me not even anything about makeup, but the way lighting hits, the way mm-hmm. photography goes, so you know certain movements and certain things you need to look at, like with your strokes and your brushes and colors, and you know there's there's so much more that goes into like the makeup portion of it than just like can you do a good cat eye, mm-hmm. you know? Like, right, right. There's a lot more that goes into that. As silly as it sounds, you know. But I, I feel like everybody, you know, I'm like I wear heavy makeup. I do like a full glam look. That's my signature thing. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that everybody else is going to look good in the makeup I look good in. I look good in that because that's me. But that doesn't mean that, like, I would ever do my makeup on you the way I do my own makeup. Right. Because it's not going to look good on you. That's not a style that, like, it's going to make you feel funny. And I think sometimes the makeup artists forget that. Like, we're all so used to certain things that you have to be very versatile in skin and a look and the way somebody feels in it. That's why, like, trial runs are so Mm -hmm. important. Because they're really not meant to be done the day before the wedding. Mm -hmm. They're meant to be done a couple, like at least, I would say even like two weeks before the wedding. And to have like a long, a really good, like two hour prep time only because you can go through every look you're wanting to look to do. You can try a couple different looks because on the day of the wedding, what you don't want is someone like, I don't like the way this looks to me now. You got to change everything. That throws a rinse in the entire day. Right. So like your trial runs, talk to your makeup artist about what you do and don't like and have that communication with that person. And honestly, I always think it's important for your makeup artist to meet your photographer because they need to talk to each other about how this person does photography, how they use lighting, you know, what Mm -hmm. type of lighting are they using and and kind of be able to, as a makeup artist, be able to understand like, okay, so this is the kind of makeup I need to use. You know, because the truth is, is that even simple makeup for girls who don't wear makeup are still going to have makeup on mm-hmm. in order to get that full finish look. Right, so right. it might feel a little thick, but that's really purely for photography. You know, so I think that those things are always really important to remember because I think people kind of forget. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No, I didn't know, even know that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. thank you. I mean, yeah. Like I love my photographers and I love being able to sit and, and listen to other photographers it, because, you know, if we haven't worked with a certain photographer who does things a certain type of way, it's a learning experience for us as well. Like that's why 
if there's a way to set up for your trial run and to have your photographer there so that way you guys can you know you can do your makeup they can take some pictures you guys can look it over you know it's good to kind of get some feedback off of your photographer like how does this makeup look how does her foundation look you know does it look flawless make sure skin matching going on all of that stuff it'll save a bride a lot of chaos at the end of the day right totally you know That was brand new info. The relationship between makeup artists and photographers, the purpose of a trial run with makeup and possibly your photographer, which totally makes sense now. So Crystal also does lashing, which again, I've never had done. Here's how it connected with her wedding work. There's a season, wedding is a season. Um, So where you're getting hired for weddings during the wedding season, on your off time, you have to find things that are going to like sustain you financially for that. So that's for the lashing. And then some of the fashion stuff came, you know, came in because so I know many make, makeup artists who are working like their business as makeup artists, but also working other things to keep, you know, that going for right. themselves as well. For the benefit of those who are ignorant, Crystal is going to explain all about lashing and her guidance for those into lashes. I think almost all women in some form or, you know, like understand the lashing addiction that there has become of 2023 now. Lashing is temporary lash extensions. For instance, classic lashing is one lash extension to one natural lash, which is used with an adhesive, much like super glue. And then hybrids is a mixture of your classic and your volume lashes. And then volumes are just that. It's a lash that's anywhere between two to, I think I've seen like 16 or 17 like lashes per one lash. Whoa, so dude. So that's where they just like, yeah. And that's a little, in my opinion, I'll never hate on anybody's work, but I feel like that's too much. That's a bit much. I mean, like there's like <laughs> some serious like lash no-nos going on in the world. Um, Have you seen the video? <laughs> Uh, I think it's Ice T's wife, Coco, and she's like in a yeah. convertible and her lashes are like blowing in the wind <laughs> and she can't even like open her eyes, right? Because the lashes are blowing, but the lashes stay on despite the wind. Like that's the magic of them. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I, yeah. I'll send it to you. Um, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Your eyes have got to be so heavy because what people don't realize is like those weigh something, you know, I mean, I'm... I don't want to stick my foot in my mouth. However, (laughs) (laughs) I feel as though the lashing situation got way out of hand at some point. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I like to lash. I like a more natural looking lash. I will do full volumes, but I do, I do my volumes in a way that they look dramatic, but they look natural. Mm -hmm. I will not at all take any clients who want like these, like, I call them stoner lashes because like your eye is so heavy, like you can't open your eye and you, some of these girls, I can't even see their pupil. I'm like, where is the, what is the color of your eye? Like all I see is like blackness. It's insane. Um, And what people don't realize is that it's dangerous. Just flat out. It's dangerous. It's dangerous for your muscle and your eye. It's dangerous for your lashes themselves. Much like eyebrow tweezing, like back in the 90s, how we like to pluck the hell out of our eyebrows mm-hmm. and then they never grew. Like, I'm yeah. still desperately trying to grow my eyebrows back <laughs> from the 90s. Yes. It's probably never going to happen because the reality is 
you can only damage the follicle of where that hair comes from so many times until it's like a done deal. It's not coming back. Uh-huh. Well, your lashes are the same way. So, you know, if you have such heavy weight on your lashes and your lashes are falling out at an unnatural pace, eventually they're not going to grow back. Like, that's the problem. Yeah. It's also a problem when, like, the muscles in your eyes are used to, like, trying to hold up these huge <laughs> wind barriers on your eyeballs. And, you know, after a while, like, you can actually damage your eye pretty bad. And I charge what I charge because I've been doing this for a long time. I also, like, went back and, and I got my certification to become an educator. So I own a school to teach lashing. And so I do take my lashing job very serious because you're dealing with somebody's eyeball. Like, right, right. You're dealing with incredibly sharp instruments on somebody's eye. You're dealing with a super glue. There's so many elements to something going wrong just within (laughs) those things that I feel like you as a consumer should take the time to look into what's going on when you're having something attached to your eyelash that's connected to your eye. Like, (laughs) you know, like, Thank you. That is like such good information. They absolutely have to be technically by law licensed as an esthetician or a cosmetologist. So that's usually the first thing I tell people when you're looking for a lash artist. Make sure they're at least licensed, please. I mean, I've had girls call me who have been referred to me who have told me like, I went to this person. I don't know what they did, but can you please look at my lashes and help me out where people have put like hair weave glue on people's (gasps) eyelashes Mm -mm. or they have put like super glue on people's lot, like things that are just absurd. Crystal, I want you to know that <laughs> for my birthday, I would let you do my lashes. I would love to do your lashes. I've never had them done before. They're amazing. They're, you know, they're so amazing. If I could trust somebody to do my lashes and I didn't have like allergies from hell, I would totally get <laughs> lashes. I'm just not a good candidate for lash extensions. And it's really sad because every day I find myself like gluing strip lashes on and it's so infuriating. Do you wear them every day? I, you know, now that I've moved to Cambria, no. But you used to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Always with my lash extensions because for a while I couldn't see myself without them. I would take them off. I'm like, oh, who are you? Like, I don't even like you. Like, (laughs) Like, this bitch is really ugly. Like, you need to get rid of her fast. Um, It was, well, it was part of who I I am like right. I. I mean, I've been wearing fake lashes since I was like, God, nineteen. Right. Oh you know. My God. Well, and you I can, can pull my, them I, off. Like your coloring yeah. is darker. You know, like your hair. Like oh, yeah. lashes, like go with the whole thing. I'm like a oh, yeah. freaking baby rat or something. I'm like so hairless. <laughs> I can't do it. You know what? If you were to have done it, like always had it done. You wouldn't know any different. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it would just become a part of it. Because I have some girlfriends who are, like, beautiful, like, white girls who, like, full glam, like, black strip, the whole bit. And so I think it just becomes a part of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I watch all those shows. Like, have you watched that show, Love is Blind? Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Terrible. It's so terrible, but also I enjoy watching it. And it's not just this show. It's all the shows, right? But, like, it'll be this tiny little totally blonde girl, and then she'll have these, like, giant black (laughs) eyelashes. And I'm like, 
Why are you trying to play? You know you have like four blonde eyelashes. Like your eyelashes do not look like that. So it's very distracting to me, but I'm yeah. trying I'm trying to like let it go, you know, cuz the lashes are all in style right now. So It is. And you know what's so funny is 4 years ago, so I was like, "Man, eh, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. I don't know where is this industry going." But again, it was kind of like I love the fact that they were so excited to feel so pretty. Yeah. Because out of anything, that's my biggest thing in my industry, like to make people who may not maybe necessarily always feel beautiful about themselves, like Mm -hmm. to feel beautiful about themselves. Crystal genuinely enjoys helping women feel beautiful, which is all about how they envision makeup and lashes and not at all about what other people think. And Crystal has seen this feeling do wonders. Girl, I am telling you, I have donated time to women's abuse shelters, homeless shelters. You know, a lot of women are either out of the prison system, working towards getting their kids back. So they have to like do all of these classes in order to be able to get a job, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember like helping these one, this, this set of women, they were so sweet. So I taught them like, okay, this is how you pair clothes together. This is how you pair shoes. I'm going to teach you guys how to do makeup. I like prepared for all of them a makeup kit and like color tested their skin. So they had their own foundations, like the whole thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was so sweet to see like women that you knew had been through literal hell and to put their makeup on them and then put clothes on them. And just to see like the, the instant confidence that they gained. Right. You know, and I told some of them like, I will give your first set of lashes like for free just to get you going. Mm-hmm. And I did. I did some of them. And some of them ended up getting jobs. I mean, this one girl, she was so sweet. She got a job at Subway and she came back to me for fills. You know, and I thought like, no, I still want to be able to like have those people who are clients to me. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not always just about the money. It's also about like how you're like kind of giving it back and paying it forward and like making another woman feel just so confident about who they are, you know, and reassuring that and that they're still beautiful. Like, you know, I feel like all of it kind of at some point becomes like a lifestyle. It makes you want to have more, pushes you to like take those next steps that you need to have, you know, in order to like accomplish like what you need to accomplish because mm-hmm. makeup you know, amazing. Like mm-hmm. it can really do wonders sometimes for you. It's kind of not kind of, it is, it's absolutely wonderful to watch. Mm-hmm people change in that manner it's what like made my heart feel good it made me feel like I wasn't just a makeup artist like beauty school dropout like kind of girl it was like no this this actually served a purpose in some manner mm-hmm. of giving back to the women who didn't necessarily ever have this experience or you know weren't able to do these things for themselves Crystal still does some makeup and lashing, but over the past year, most of her time has been invested into her brand new bridal salon in Cambria, California. The way she describes her approach with clients is so drastically different than big box bridal stores. Our whole mission is with our store and with our designer, like you're not a number, you are our bride. You are somebody that we are so incredibly enthusiastic to be like a part of your special moment. Like you've 
chosen us to like have us create something that's so special for you on this day. And I, I like that. It becomes very personable. You, I make friends with my brides. They're not just my brides and just clients. They actually become friends. They're people who call me like while they're going through the sweating process and they're like, I can't take this. Like, yeah. Can I just talk to you? I'm like, let's talk. What's going on? Like, let's work this out together. So you're not like blowing up on somebody within your family. Like, <laughs> you know, like, let's stay face with the moms and the fiance, you know, because sometimes it's, it's just overwhelming. There's a lot of money going out. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of opinions. Yep. Opinions suck. It's a very overwhelming time. As much as it should be like fun, the reality is a lot of people within this industry don't make it fun. Usually about the almighty dollar, which is really hard. I think it's easy to lose sight on like the fact that this is somebody's really special day, not just the way that you're making like money off of it as well. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm so funny. I mean, like when, when people come into our shop, like I sit on the floor, like once we're all done trying dresses on and we're down to like those last dresses and we're I'll sit on the floor with them. Like, okay, let's chit chat. Like what's going on? What are our thoughts? Like, where are we at with these things? You know, do we need some time to think? Do we need to come back? A lot of them bring their kids with them. My one bride has a, he's eight or nine months old. He's yeah. the cutest little boy in the world. I like sat on the floor of them. She had to like take time to breastfeed. So I like put her in the sitting room and set it all up. They can breastfeed and have their moment. And for me, this is this is like hanging out with my girlfriends in some ways. Like I love these girls. Like they are special to me. Yeah. I I feel like it's important to say like that you do have brides in the store that are pregnant or have children or are older in life. Like and Absolutely. all of all of them yeah. can be beautiful, happy brides. Yeah, I have one bride. I love her. She like walked out of a 1950s movie. She's so cute and sweet. She's 72 and fell in love. It's just like these stories you hear about people, you know, and how like, I mean, it's kind of sad to hear some of the stories. You know, there are women whose husbands have passed away, you know, and, and some things that just don't work out, but they found love again and they do have kids or they're merging families together. And yeah, it is very sweet to see that like, no matter what the situation is like, love just kind of finds itself into such funny and serious like situations. Mm-hmm. And then these people come together and they're like, we're going to make this work. Damn it. And our kids are all going to get along. So let's go, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I love that. Know, and I, I do too, you know, and I have my traditional brides who have never been married, just out of college you know, have their boyfriend in there just now like joining together that their careers have started. And I love that too. Like I like, I like that nothing is consistent in my job, but more than anything, I think I like that. Like, you know, you get to meet some women that honestly I never would have known, but I end up getting to meet some women who are really amazing, who are doing some amazing things with themselves. And like, yeah, for me, it's just kind of like, I, I love the social aspect of my job as well. Right. But I also like like when the dress is like done and designed and they put that dress on, it's like, oh, this is my dress. And like, that's something they designed. And, and I never remake any dresses we have for anybody else. That is their dress. It's named after them. And that's their gown forever. Aww. You know, it's a very sweet thing. Crystal has an in-house designer, Megan. Nothing can compare to what she's doing. No one can touch what she's doing, really. Here's what their process looks like to get exactly what you want. 
people send me like their Pinterest inspiration. You know, we go through those things. And then normally what we would do is have a video chat with Megan because Megan's in Scottsdale. And we sit and talk with our clients as to like what they're looking for. So she'll put a sketch together. We put fabrics together and then kind of go from there. So that's why right now, like we are working on getting the jumpsuits in. So then that way now that we'll carry things in house that people can actually try on. And that's like tangible to feel and look and see as far as fabrics and things of that nature. Like I have all of that in house that they can see the fabrics. I have swatches that show all the colors that we do. She mentioned jumpsuits as an option, which got me all excited. I wanted to know more about what I'm terming Alterna Brides. Of course, this runs the whole gamut. But as an example, I had to hunt for a short vintage style wedding dress. What is her experience with folks who want a bold look or purposefully buck the current fashion trends? Or just something different? Oh, yeah. I mean, I love I love my non-traditional brides. They're like, okay, I love all my brides. But my non-traditional brides, truly are kick-ass they are so outside the box we have so much fun because like with us it's not just like coming in trying on a dress that 10 other girls are going to have and buying that dress you get to fully customize anything you want if you don't find anything and you want to sit down and talk about customizations we can do that so Mm -hmm. like last year we did about 35 black wedding dresses oh my gosh really yeah and not just like black wedding dresses with like you know, with veils. Like, I'm talking like wings. We have these beautiful detachable wings that go on the back of a dress. We have cake. A lot of women have gone away from this traditional, like, tiered veil where the husband has to, like, you know, reveal you and and kiss you and all this stuff. It's like Mm -hmm. women are very empowered in, like, what they're doing right now. And so color is phenomenal. Um, We have so many different colors and designs. The one demographic I think of brides that has really never been catered to is my tattoo bride. I'm a girl who has tattoos. I'm not as tattooed as I would like to be, um, but but I have enough of them to know that like if it were to ever happen that I got married, like I have pretty art. Like I would like for it to be shown off. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny. We were at the beach the other day, and there were these older women there, and. And this lady was talking. She's like, oh, what do you, you know, do you live here? So, yeah, she's like, what do you do? So I have a bridal store in town. And she's like, that's amazing. And she's like, so tell me about your birthday. I was telling her. And, she, and so I was like, you know, I was like, it's so great. We have so many brides who like want color in their gowns now. And like, it's mm-hmm. like, it's so much fun. And she goes, oh, and she goes, do you get tattooed brides? And I said, oh, yeah. And before I could say anything else, she said, um, I bet it's hard to cover all that stuff up on their arms. And at that time was when I was going to take the blanket off my arm. You were right here. A, I didn't want her to feel silly for saying it. B, I didn't know that she would feel silly for saying it. And then I would just feel silly for standing there with tattoos. Um, but there's such this misconception that like tattooed brides are so taboo. And I, I, I just disagree so much on that because I don't think people A, realize how expensive tattoos are. <laughs> And like, mm-hmm. what goes into picking a tattoo artist? You know, some girls have tattoos that have meaning. Some girls have tattoos just because they look beautiful on their skin. So it's just a really funny thing to hear the taboo. But like, I love my non-traditional brides. I mean, they, they really make my job so much fun. 
I talk almost every bride we have out of white. I'm like, there's no reason to wear white. This is the 1970s. Let's face it, none of us are really virgins. You know, the whole idea of like <laughs> this dark white dress is really, it's frustrating because what people don't realize, I told my brides, nobody looks good in real in, in white. The reality. No. You're white is not okay. If you are a white girl, it's not okay. If you are a girl who has olive toned skin or who's even black, like you are not going to look good in white. A, there's blue undertones to it, so your dress almost looks blue. So if you're any of these ethnicities, of any of these undertones you have, your skin is going to look washed out. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter how good your makeup artist is and how good your photographer is. You have a stark white dress on. Man, just just go away with it. (laughs) But like ivory is beautiful because ivory has these really pretty, good ivory has like these undertones of like warm colors that will like bring the, the tones out in your skin that will complement your makeup and your photography. And so, you know, I always think I was like, don't be scared to have color. Now, unless you are of certain religions, and actually I've learned a lot more about this. We went to, we every August we go to Vegas. Vegas has this huge wedding expose of like all the designers and it's nothing but like six days of, of ivory and white it's insane and so I didn't realize that there are actual bridal stores out there who only cater to like the Mormon church to Quakers to you know Catholic certain certain churches because certain churches only allow you to wear certain patterns within their church and certain colors so you know, you have to have like your decollete completely covered. Your arms have to be completely covered. Like there are just certain rules to each church. Right, right. What kind of gown you can wear. And I've worked with a lot of girls who are getting married in traditional Catholic churches where they're like, I had one, one bride tell me, she's like, okay, this is really hard because I have to be like church in the front, but hoe in the back. And I'm like, well, <laughs> let's see what we can do. You know, like <laughs> and some churches have to give permission for you to wear certain dresses within their, especially in the Catholic church, like within the church. I wow. never knew these things. No. So for those girls who have traditional religions and, and stuff, absolutely a hundred percent, like not even to like, I don't want them to feel like I'm making fun of that, but like that is also always very respected and, mm-hmm. and we do do gowns for that. Okay. So the recommendation is no white, but also if that's what your religious tradition requires or you like it, cool. Crystal will find something beautiful just for you. Just to be clear about the services that you offer, Crystal, like, I mean, we're using bride, we're using women, you know, we're using girls, we're using all that. But like, what do you offer for folks that are non-binary or whatever as part of this non-traditional group? Right. Really, whatever they, you know, so here's the thing. Right now, where we are at is we do pantsuits. We also do jumpers. That's something that somebody's wanting. But really, we we do cater to everybody. It's not, I mean, we don't discriminate. You know, I have a gentleman who does couture suits. Some women don't want to wear a dress. They want to wear a pantsuit, you know? <laughs> so it's like, they like the jumpsuit idea. I'm putting a beautiful ball gown over it and then having to take that off and have a pantsuit for the evening. Like, mm-hmm. how rad is that? Mm-hmm. 
you know, those things are always fun too, because it's like everybody should be who they are for their wedding. It's, yeah. it's your dress or pantsuit or tux or whatever it is you're having made for you or that you're purchasing, like it should be exactly what your personality is. It's kind of an interesting thing because our big shows that we're going to, like in Vegas and stuff, mm-hmm. they don't always have a lot of that stuff. So it's something that within this industry is going to have to change. And I, I see the change of it coming, probably not as fast as many people would like to see it happening. But like for Megan, I mean, Megan has made so many outfits for people who are non-binary and who are are gay couples. You know, we've We've had quite a few, and actually, it's really sweet. They ha- a lot of them have black dresses or, you know, certain colors that go with mm-hmm. what they identify with. You know, we can match those colors. So we have veils that we have, like a full LGBTQ veil that's like all four seed crystals of the pride flag. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just like different things. We always are trying to figure out like the next step of what's going to be inclusive to everybody. Some of our simpler satin gowns because they come in like the soft baby pink and the soft baby blue, they were used for a fashion show for a trans community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so it, so like it's, it's a transition that's happening. We're trying to make it happen faster. Crystal and her designer work hard to find or create what your heart desires. But to be inclusive, she's working against many norms in the fashion and wedding industry. What I didn't know is that things like suits and jumpsuits are much more difficult and more expensive to create than a wedding dress. And this leads to additional inequity that Crystal is trying to avoid. What we are finding that's so difficult to do is to make certain prototypes of jumpsuits. Jumpsuits, for whatever reason, tend to be a little more detailed than the dresses because there's, you know... There's right. a lot more detail to like the suits. Megan's really good at it, but it's one of those things where it takes a lot more time to produce it. Right. So the price points for jumpsuits supersede what a dress is. Right. You know, it's that whole thing of budget. I'm trying to find something that's going to be sustainable for both my store and for the client because... Right. You know, a lot of people aren't going to want to spend four or $5,000 on a suit, which is what sometimes that can kind of get into because there's so many yeah. there's so many measurements and tedious things that go into making like jackets and pants and, you right. know, all of these little right. things. Right, right. And so a lot of it's not standard measurements to obviously men because right. things have changed. So it's kind of like trying to figure out now how to make that perfect couture suit for a non-binary person right? that stays within a budget that is reasonable for them to purchase it. Right, that's, dude. That is that's the trick. <laughs> really hard. We talked more options, making the silhouette accommodate different body types, so even gowns are a more inclusive option. And we talked about the changing styles within suiting, like a slimmer pant. So like, for instance, like going back to Love is Blind, yes. one of the designers that yep. I've worked for for years, his name is Thor. He designed the suit that was worn in the reunion for, oh, what's that couple? Tiffany, I think? Tiffany and Brett. Yes. Brett. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so he designed Brett's suit. He's from Portland. Thor is like the most amazing couture suit designer for both men and women. 
Crystal is exploring partnerships with additional suit designers within her overall service and quality vision. And I am very meticulous in the way that I do things. I, you know, I want people to remember not just the experience, but like the quality of what they've received from us. So I want to make sure that everybody is, that their situation is held with a lot of respect. I'm not like, oh, we're just making a lot of money off of people who are non-binary or, you know. Right. Like we just tapped into it just to make the money quickly. Right. I don't want. And, and, and also quickly. like, it's not their fault that they're non-binary and like fashion right. isn't made for them. That's right. fashion's fault. So they should not be charged yeah. more money. Right. No. <laughs> well, and the thing is that, you know, so, so that's an interesting thing because so in saying that. That leads us to another related issue. Women's sizing. The most unfavorable thing to me in wedding gowns is the sizing. Sizing is ridiculous. It's all done in UK sizing, which if you are an American size 8, it puts you in a UK size 10 or 12. So right there, that to me is always a problem because women by nature are always going to have some kind of like hang up on their bodies, right? Because yeah, we like don't, we don't like that. Does. Don't size us up. No. That in itself is something that I, I feel within our industry needs to change. Now, the, I think the one reason why it doesn't all the time is because a lot of these larger named um, designers obviously are using, they're using factories. So most of those factories are located in like China, UK. So I don't think that part of it's ever going to change. But what was frustrating to me was then these other designers kind of like anything after a 12 is considered full figure. So they charge you for being a larger size. Per size. Nope. I mean, first off, when I have a bride in my store and I'm doing her measurements, that's always a very uncomfortable thing for most women. Most of my brides, because we're all friendly, like, I'm not judging you about what your bust, waist, or hip size is. Sizes to me don't matter. But I know how uncomfortable it is as a woman to have to stand there and have somebody measure you and then hear all the numbers that come afterwards, right? right? Like, right. oh. Yeah. But then to have to tell somebody, like, okay, I can have this designer make you your dress. However, because you're considered this size and that's considered a full figure, it's going to be an additional this much Ugh, to make this dress for so you. So gross. Through with my designer when she's you know and her and I talked about it and she's like honestly don't you think that's kind of bullshit I'm like it is so then with her we figured out what's the most cost effective way that we can create a gown for somebody even if they're a say a size 20 but not charge them $200 for each size like that's absurd you know that now to me that's price gouging and then so we do trunk shows. I was sent what they what was considered a curvy line with one of my other designers. And I like I I had to tell the person like I really dislike your curvy line. Like <laughs> who's designing this? This is ugly. And she was like, Oh. Uh and I thought just because you're like full figure, just because you are considered curvy. I don't and I don't know who's coming up with all these names, but it's really quite frustrating too. But you have to wear like, I mean, one of the dresses actually looked like there was a built-in like over-the-shoulder boulder holder bra in it. Like, 
public like this is so ugly. Like, who, who am I supposed to sell this to? Who's wearing this? No, no one can tell me someone's paying eighteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollars for this dress. This yeah, is I can't do it because I'm just I am honest about things. I can't let you walk out of my store and let you tell somebody like I got this at such you know at a little of bridal. It's like, no, you didn't. Don't ever tell anybody I told you that stuff. Like I don't want that on my shoulders. So Megan, like, make sure that I have gowns in house that are for my beautiful brides who aren't the customary size eight or ten. Mm-hmm. You know, that they can try on and that we will create for them without price gouging them because they just happen to not be a size that society right. is like. Yes, them. exactly. You know? Exactly. So. There are not any easy solutions for Alterna brides, those who have a creative vision for their look or those whom current fashion practices exclude. But all humans, in all body sizes and shapes, celebrating the family structure they're committing to, deserve to look and feel their best. If you're looking for wedding attire, check out the small businesses in your area. They can really cater to your needs. Here's one such women-owned business, Crystals. So we are a little love bridal in Cambria. We are the only bridal store in Cambria, so it's pretty easy. But we have a website, I have an Instagram, and people can message me. Uh, my phone number's on there. People are welcome to call me or text me. However it is that they're comfortable with reaching out. And we do three-hour private shopping experience appointments that are catered. We have champagne, juice, sandwiches, things like that. They can bring up to seven to ten people for parties. And they get three hours to come in, try gowns on, and enjoy time with like their family and friends. And children, if they need their children. <laughs> Yay! Okay, Yay. a little love bridal. By the sea. By the sea. A little love bridal by the sea. I love it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 